Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Uh, I'm going to kind of do a combo tonight. I'm going to share, I'm going to share my testimony. Uh, I've had kind of an adventurous start to the year in my own life. Um, and then I want to talk about, uh, you know, we've been experiencing revival around here. We've been praying for revival for a long time, and we're starting to see the things that we've prayed for come to pass. And I'm, I'm ready for it, man. Um, but I want to talk to you about two areas of my life that God had to radically change for me to be ready for revival. Um, so that's what we're going to do tonight, and hopefully we'll get through it all. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, take a look at verse 15. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now, you probably don't have the Amplified, but I'm going to read you the Amplified version real quick. It says, Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, now listen to this, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. So we hear this phrase, redeem the time, and if you've been around church, you've probably heard it multiple times, and probably if you grew up in church, had your parents say it to you when you were not redeeming the time. Um, but what does it really mean to redeem the time? How do we redeem, like in our everyday getting up, going to work, doing things, how do we redeem the time? What does it actually mean? Can we get better at it? Can we do a better job of it? Just, I really want to get, like, what is, it, what is the practical application of redeeming the time? What does it look like in our everyday lives? Not just in church, but just in, in what we do. Um, <clears throat> you know, as Christians, we say that we believe this life is temporary and the next life is eternal. But so, I, I wonder, and I just had this thought the last couple of weeks, like, if, you, if somebody followed me around, okay, for, a, for like a week, and they wrote down how I spent my time, and how I spent my energy, and my priorities, and my money, and everything else, all of, what, what I was really directed towards, would they believe that I believed that? Would they believe that I really believe this life is temporary and the next life is eternal? Or does it look more like I think this life is eternal and the next one maybe is temporary? Just really, like, what would you think if you really took, took stock of my priorities? Um, and my priorities have radically changed over the last couple of years. My priorities have radically changed in the last couple of months. Um, I just want to share this testimony with you. I know a lot of you guys have heard this, uh, maybe more than once. Uh, some of you haven't, but I really, it's, man, it's, it's just, um, man, God is so good. Um, so, okay, five weeks ago today, five weeks ago today, I was standing in my office, I have a home office, and I have a standing desk, and I'm standing there, I'm talking on the phone, and... I, just for a split second, I felt very lightheaded. And I thought, well, that's weird. It was just a very weird sensation. And my next memory is waking up in an ambulance and feeling terrific. And that's a very weird sensation, by the way. If you ever wake up in an ambulance, you would expect to be in some pain or something. I felt great. And I had, I, a paramedic looked at me and said, you had a seizure. Like, I don't have it. I don't have seizures. Are you kidding me? Let me out of this thing, you know? Um, that's because I just, I, I felt like I could jump out of the ambulance and run three miles right then and there. Um, but then he says, well, call your brother. 
So uh, my, my phone ha- is in my pocket, so I call, I call Michael. And meanwhile, what, he, what happened to him is he was getting ready to go to work. He hears me hit the floor, and he runs in there, and I am in full convulsions having a seizure under my desk. And he immediately lays his hand on me and starts to pray and, and calls 911 with, with the other hand. And about a minute after that, I, I came out of convulsions. Um, I was breathing. I kind of tried to sit up. I don't remember any of that. Um, so this is all starting to come together. So I call him from the ambulance. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, dude, it's so good to hear your voice. He's, and I'm like, what happened? He's like, man, you had a seizure. And then it starts, then I remember feeling lightheaded. So it all starts coming together. So they take me to the emergency room. They end up diagnosing me uh, with something called Brugada syndrome. Um, and uh, long story short, they, they, they recommended that I have a defibrillator put in. Um, I kind of wrestled with it, but I had peace about it. I ended up doing it um, another couple of weeks, and I can go back to doing everything completely normal like I used to do, praise God. But here's the thing, and I've done a little bit of research since then. This thing that they've diagnosed me with, it has another name. And a lot of medical names need a lot of exclamation for you to understand what they mean, but this one doesn't. It's called Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. My chances, when I hit the floor, my chances of coming out of that on my own with no defibrillator like I did were about 5%. And the chances of coming out of it on your own without brain damage are less than that. I am only alive today because of the grace of God. I am only alive today because my God is bigger. Because he's greater. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that the enemy tried to stick on me, it, it kills people every day. It kills able-bodied young men primarily. And my God is bigger. He's greater. And um, this whole thing has, has just it's changed, it's changed my life. I'm, I'm a different person afterwards. I don't, I don't know how I couldn't be. Um, when you, and going back to this theme of redeeming the time, when I look now and I recognize that every moment that I will live from, in my life from now on is a moment that the enemy tried to steal from me and God saved, God saved me for. The only reason that I'm up here preaching to you instead of a couple weeks ago laying in a coffin up here is because my God is bigger, because he's greater, because his word is true, because it, his word is true and it is the only truth. And man, that changes your life. You know, you grow up in church and you hear these things and you believe these things, but when you see it happen, and when it happens to you, I mean, though, I just, you just sit and you look back and you lay in bed at night and you're like, man, I mean, this thing is for real. This thing is for real. And it's, it's very easy, it's very easy to just do life, you know, and and um, you have your routine and things are going pretty good and you just get used to it and we forget that this thing, is, this thing is for real. Like, this is life, and it is temporary, and there is an end to it. And, and everything that we believe, everything we talk about here in church, man, it's true. And there is a thief. There is a thief, and he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's not something we need to be fearful of, because our God is bigger. Our God is greater. And it just, you know... It just changes everything, man. It just it puts in perspective so clearly what matters and what doesn't. Um, and, and I'll just tell you, I'll tell you what matters. 
There's only two things that matter, and it's God and people. That's it. That's it. That is the entire list of things that matter. Everything else, by comparison, is irrelevant. Because, and here's why. Those are the only two things that are eternal. The only two things, when the end comes, the only two things that are still going to be standing. Everything else is nothing but glorified dust. That's all it is. And, you know, don't, don't, don't wait till something happens to recognize this. Don't wait till... To, to, don't wait for something like that to happen to, to, to change how you live your life, to start redeeming the time. Um, we're coming into a season of revival. God's, God is dealing with this church and a lot of others. It's time to get serious. It's time to lay off waste. It's time to go after some things. It's time to go out and reach the lost. Casual Christianity is over. Just putting in our time is over. We're going to have to go after these things. And, you know, I know, that, I know that, that God was not the author of what happened to me, but he has turned it around for so much good. He has turned it around for so much good, and my life will never be the same. Um, I've, just, I've just, for me, after that, my life is going to be lived for the only one who's big enough to reach down in my office that day and restart my heart. That's the, the, what, what, else, what else could I do? What, what else in life? I mean, man, I just, it's, it's just, it's almost funny. You, you, come, you get out of the hospital and you have this thing happen to you and, and uh, you go home and it's kind of like this weird situation now and like you get on Facebook and you see some of the things that like people are just like so upset about and they're just, they're just there wasn't enough cash, you know, there wasn't enough checkout line lanes open at Walmart today. I'm like, really? I mean, come on. Really? Um, so yeah, it just um, it changes your life, and and I guess really my point in all that is, um, like I said, don't wait for something. Don't wait till something forces you to realize you need to redeem the time. Time is temporary. Where every every single one of us is getting older every second. Every single one of us has a temporary time. Whether whether you live to be a hundred and twenty. Our time here on earth is like that. It's just here today, gone tomorrow. And, you know, if I would have died that day, I'd have been, I know I would have been ready to stand before my father. Thanks, thanks, not, thanks not to me, but thank you to Jesus. By grace, through faith, I can stand before my father, not on my own works, but on his. So I would have been ready. But honestly, I'm really glad that that got postponed. Because... Number one, I have things to do here. But number two, I'm not that proud of my record up till now. I'm really not. I have not redeemed the time. I just haven't. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have not redeemed the time. I have mostly lived my life. I've been a Christian all my life. I really haven't had anything really major. I haven't really been faced with any major things. I've pretty much just kind of coasted. And I'm glad that I didn't have to defend that record before God. I know, I know, I know. I would have been. I know I'd be in heaven now, and that would have been my gain. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad to get another opportunity to do more. I'm glad to get another opportunity to redeem the time and really, really do what I'm called to do, and do what all of us are called to do. Um, so that's what I. That's that. That's that is the the first part of what I wanted to talk about. But it ties in. It ties into the. Um, Got to keep an eye on the time here. Um, <clears throat> do we do that around here? Keep an eye on the time. <laughs> I'm going to. Um, 
So there's, there's, there's two categories. The last two years of my life, God has just, has just been changing me and, and, and just working on me and showing me things. And I've given him an open door to do that. And the more that I give him an open door, the more that he changes things. And that's good. I um, went to a concert last night, and I was just up there just singing my heart out, praising God, having a good time. And then about halfway through, I was like, you know what? I'm supposed to speak tomorrow night. Maybe I ought to look after my voice a little bit. Like, there's not very many venues where I can just sing at the top of my lungs and have it be okay. I, I love to sing, but there's not very many people that love for me to sing for good reason. Anyways, um, so, so there's just some areas where God's really been changing me. And I want to talk to you about two of those areas tonight. And the first one is humility. You know, humility is, it's an interesting thing because we talk about it in church a lot. We talk about pride. We talk about humility. And if you're like me, you pretty much assumed, and I've even had these words come out of my mouth, I'm not really a prideful person. And I honestly believe that. I really, and, and, and I wasn't in the sense of just being a very outwardly prideful person. I wasn't. But what I have learned, because there was, there was a point in time where I got with God and I said, God, just show me my pride. Let's just get rid of it. And in my thinking, I'm like, you know, there's probably a little bit of pride hanging around here somewhere, maybe in the corners under a rug. You know, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's, why not just get rid of it, you know? And, um, man, it got ugly quick. It just, it just got ugly. It did. When, when you open that, and I encourage you to do it, but when you open the door and you say, God, show me the areas of pride, pride is sneaky, man. It is so sneaky. You will not believe the little places, particularly, particularly involved even in spiritual things. The little areas where pride will just get, and it'll, it's like water, man. It'll fill any little cavity. It doesn't need much room. Um, I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. If you turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. First Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. That's a really good check on our everyday life. Am I starting to think that I really know something? Am I really looking at myself as really having it going on? Or am I continuing to look to God every day? Every day, look to God for, for help, for, for grace, for, for everything that I need. Completely relying on Him. Turn over to, um, to Luke chapter 18. And this is a, a pretty familiar parable to us. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. It says... Also, he spoke this parable, wait till I don't hear quite as many pages turning. You don't have to stop turning. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Basically, he's just giving God a little scorecard, you know, in case God hadn't noticed, you know, this guy really had it going on. And then it switches to the tax collector. It says, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, I always, for me, I, I, I always envision the, the scene uh, in the Bible series of this parable. Um, and it's a really, probably one of the best scenes, in my opinion, that they did in the series because it really captures the emotion of the tax collector. And you see this man, this, he's, he's conflicted, he's so condemned, he knows, he understands the, the, the weight of his guilt and his sin, and, 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 and he's just, you know, with tears in his eyes, crying out to God. And... This is just such an interesting parable to me um, because the, the, the person who's in pride would have been considered an upright person by society. He wasn't a mobster. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious guy. He had, he had his ducks in a row as far as his behavior, as far as looking at him. He pretty much had, had it going on. And yet God said he couldn't even deal with the guy because of his pride. You know? And we don't... We understand, I mean, the tax collector here, you know, he was, he was in need of salvation. We don't have to live where the tax collector was. We don't have to live beat down and in condemnation. But man, we can't ever lose his humility. We can't ever find ourselves in that place of the Pharisee where we're reading off our scorecard to God and telling him all of this stuff that we've done and why he should be impressed with us. It's a, it's, it's a non-starter with God. God says, I can't even, I can't deal with that. It's not that he doesn't love you. He's like, I can't, I can't deal with that. If you look through the ministry of Jesus, every person who came to him in humility received. And the only people that he had to say, I can't, I wish I could help you, I can't, were the people who came to him in pride. The people who came to him saying, Jesus, look what I have to offer. Look what I can do. You can't, it doesn't get you anywhere. And it's so easy to get there. It is so easy to, without realizing it, become that person. Um, it's in, and it's interesting, uh, a couple of verses down from that is where he talks about uh, where the people were bringing, bringing little children to Jesus to bless them, and the disciples were turning them away, and he makes the statement, uh, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. I've always, that verse has always shown me so much about faith and humility. If you think about a little child, the way that they trust and, and just implicitly, and they're, and they're not, they don't, they just don't participate in all of the adult ridiculousness sometimes that we do. Just, anyways, that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother sermon. But uh, pride will just, pride will mess us up. Pride will directly hinder our ability what we're called, to do what we're called to do. It'll directly hinder our ability to reach out to people we need to reach out to. It'll directly hinder our ability to love people and to love them into the kingdom the way that we're called to do. It'll direct or, it will hinder our ability to love our fellow Christians, our fellow believers, the people we go to church with, the people on the job that are fellow believers. It, it will hinder that ability. It'll hinder our ability in our own families. Pride just gums up the works, man. 
And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story. I'm gonna tell a couple revealing stories about myself. Um, so if, if I can open up my heart to you, open up your heart. Just open up your heart and just just hear me out on some of this stuff because these are these are kind of like these are like sticky things, man. And I'm not up here as someone who's mastered this. Okay, I get up every day and ask God for the ability to live this way of this stuff that I'm talking about tonight and depend on his grace. So I'm not standing before you here as someone who's like, come on guys, come up here and live, live up here with me on all this stuff. Um, so anyways, the story. So um, I have a, a good friend of mine and um, just a, a godly man, a man who loves God. Um, he has a great relationship with God. I've learned, I've learned a lot from him, actually, about just having a real simple communication with God on a daily basis. Um, he's a man who knows the word. He's a man who's involved in, in, in discipling others in his church. Just a, a really great guy and a great friend. At the time, that, at the time this story took place, I, I knew that he had not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And... Um, I was prideful about that. And to be honest with you, I looked down on my friend a little bit for that reason. And so there we had this, we had this situation, and uh, there was a third individual who was kind of pouring, pouring their heart out, and there were some things they were dealing with, and they really needed some help and, and some counsel. And just in my Christian pride, I'm like, well... I'm the spirit-filled guy here. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to deal with this. I'm gonna have to have the answer here. And I had an answer, man. I mean, I was ready to go. I was just, man. I was gonna lay some truth down. And, and, before I could open my mouth, my friend started speaking. And truthfully, his answer was about what my answer was gonna be. But as soon as he said it, it was like Holy Spirit just landed on me, and I just saw the place my answer was coming from, the, the ugly place of pride my answer was coming from, and the place of love and humility that his answer was coming from. And it was, I'm sure on the outside I was like, mm, mm, yeah, that's good, that's good. Inside I was like, oh, oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh, how did I get to this place? That was, that was, a, that was a, a start of God really getting, after, getting in and rooting out some pride. Because it's not okay to be that way. It's just not okay to be that way. Um, it'll just, it, 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 it's just, you can, you, can, you can have the right answer. And it not, it not work. Holy Spirit can't come and back you up. It, it, your words will, can fall flat. Because they're coming from a place, they're coming from you. And I don't have anything to offer anybody. The only thing I have is Jesus. And if I'm not... If I'm not letting him speak through me from a place of love and humility, it's going to fall flat. It's going to be empty religion. And we can't be there, man. We can't be there. But it's so easy. It's so easy to get there. Um, you know, pride is, it's just sneaky. And, and dealing with it is not a one-time thing. Okay? It's not like going in and, and having a tumor removed and then you're like, I'm good. It's, it's like... It's like weeding. We we're talking about weeding earlier. It's like weeding. It's like weeding your garden. You've got just because you weeded just because you weeded the garden last week doesn't mean you don't have to weed it this week. We have always got to be on alert for this. We've always I, I've gotten in the habit now of talking to God about this on a daily basis. Lord, show me where I'm being prideful. 
Show me where I'm depending on Mark. Show me where I'm blocking you out. Because that's what we do. Pride is a barrier. There's a reason that God talks so strongly about pride because it is a barrier to relationship with God. And the reason is, and this is something that I have seen, the reason pride is such a barrier to God is because it's self-worship. Can, can we call it anything else? It's self-worship. It's, it's like... It's, 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 like having a, it's, it's like worshiping yourself. It's like having a little praise and worship service by yourself in your house, and you're strumming your guitar, and you're singing, How Great I Art. <laughs> and, we, and we laugh, but is that not true? It really is, because what we're saying is, God, I got this. And we can't live there. If we're going to fulfill the things that God has called the body of Christ to do, we can't live there. We have to learn to walk in humility. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go, I, yeah. Humility, it's, it's just, um, it's foundational. It's foundational. Um, it's how, if you think about it, it's, how, it's, it's when you get born again, that is, that is a moment of humility. And we tend to lose that humility, but we shouldn't. There's nowhere it says that just because we're growing in Christ, growing in God, growing in all these things, there's nowhere it says you can leave that humility behind. Humility is, 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 is it's our daily foundation of, of living in Christ and walking with Christ and looking to him and, and being a disciple and learning how to be a disciple and learning how to follow him closer and learn how to share him with others. We, there is just... Um, the bottom line is there's just never any place for any of us to think we're better than anyone. There just isn't. There is no place for it. Um, we could just as easily end up, we could just as easily have been where they are. None of us got where we are through our own abilities. And we know that with salvation. We can't earn our way to salvation. Why would we think we could earn our way to anything else? Um, so this is something that I have learned, but it's something that I'm learning. And it's something that you will never, you will never be able to, I don't believe that on this side of eternity you'll ever be able to say, okay, I've got pride conquered. It's just too, it's too much in our human nature. We have got to be alert to it. We have got to look to God every day, every week, constantly. Lord, don't let me be there. Show me the areas where I'm depending on me and not you. Amen. Um, so the second thing that I wanted to talk about, something else that God has just really had to rock my world on, is love. And for me, very specifically, relating to how I treat people and how I interact with people. Um, you know, I, um, I've had a tendency... I've had a tendency to, um, I'm kind of, I've, I've always been kind of a big mouth. And I told you, I'm just going to get real honest with you tonight. Um, I have a big mouth, but I'm not exactly the biggest guy. Okay? Let's just be honest. Okay? Unless I hit a growth spurt, this is just, this is just where it is. And I've always sort of taken, prior to the last lesson, 
I've taken a little bit of pride in the fact that, you know what, I might not be the biggest guy, but I can go one-on-one -on -one with anybody. I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody. And maybe I could, maybe I couldn't. But I've always taken pride in that ability. And uh, particularly in, in areas of business, but also it's, it's leaked over into my church life and with my family. Um, I was very stubborn. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give in to people. You know, I would just, I was, and, I, and I hurt people with my words. And, but again, I had, that was just kind of part of me, and I defended that area. Well, that's just who I am. You know, you, got, you guys still got to deal with people. And um, again, this is an area where we can easily shut God out and shut God down. Um, <clears throat> turn over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. So Paul's speaking here, and he says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. These are some loaded scriptures, man. It's interesting. <clears throat> he ties three things together here. He says, behave yourselves. Don't complain and dispute. And then he links that directly to being a light to the world. He links that directly to the Great Commission. He links that directly to how we relate to those who need what we have. He says, do these things without complaining and disputing because it directly affects your ability to be a to be effective in the one thing that you're called to do here on this earth. And then he says, <clears throat> do this so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul said this. In other words, if you guys don't live this, if you guys are always out there not representing Christ well, not representing the gospel well, you could undo what I've done. Paul He's telling them, you could undo what I've done. You could make it of no effect by your actions. See, we can undo the very thing, the very thing that we say we believe, the very thing that we say we believe on Sundays and we put on our T-shirts and, we, and, and that, 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 that's our label and what we tell people we are, but then we can turn around and undo it by how we interact with people. And I've been there. That was, I, I don't even want to think about how big a part of my life that was. Um, you know, this specifically, I can speak to this. We have a tendency to do this as men. As guys, we're always, you know, we're like, we're, we're like aggressive and we've got to like defend our territory, you know, and, and we've got our little territory staked out, you know, and, and you know, you're not going to come on my territory and, and like we have this reputation we got to hold up. And it's really struck me recently as guys, even as Christian guys, we, we use that as our example of like manliness and, and all of this stuff. But I don't know where we're getting it from. Because that's not how Jesus acted. And Jesus was no weakling. Jesus was no pushover. But he didn't feel the need to like, I'm Jesus. Don't come in my square. I'll show you what's up. 
Did he? He didn't see the need. This is a side journey, but truthfully, that that in in and of itself is a weakness. Because strength doesn't need to do all that. Strength doesn't need to show you up. But we have a tendency to go there as men. Um, Turn over to Luke 6. I wonder what we would look like if we really used Jesus as our example of masculinity. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. And man, these scriptures, like I didn't read these much prior to a couple years ago because they just, they weren't that fun. They weren't. Like they just, I, I just, I didn't really know what they meant. And I had a good idea that it probably wasn't something that I wanted to do. And um, they challenged me and I just didn't go there. Starting in verse 27. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Just as you want men to do to you, do also to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hope for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful." I'm not, going to, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that like, I'm the, the, the expert on these scriptures, because I'm not. These, these are scriptures that to this day, they challenge me. To this day, I just read them and I'm like, God, help. Help. Partly because I'm undoing years of bad habits. I'm, I'm undoing years of compartmentalizing my Christianity and reading this and saying, well, surely that doesn't mean what it seemed like it means. Because I've got business to conduct and I've got to defend my space and I've got to defend my manhood and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And it's only been recently that I've really started opening these up and say, God, show me what this means. How does it apply to me? How do, what do I need to change in order to actually do this? And I don't necessarily know all the answers to that. Um, I know that, I mean, I know that we have lives to live. We have things to do. I'm a, I'm a small business owner. I work in an industry that is full of confrontation. It's, it's full of, it's, 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 you know, I work in construction. It's full of guys who, like I talked about earlier, always want to defend their space. They're very aggressive. Um, there's a lot of legal issues in my business. There's times where you have to do things to make sure you do get paid and defend yourself. And, and how does that fit into these scriptures? I don't exactly know. But I know that I have the Holy Spirit on the inside to help me. And I know that in every situation, there is a right thing to do. And I know that in every situation that I can make a decision that's based in love and led by the Holy Spirit, and it'll be the right decision. But see, too often what we do, instead of letting love be our foundation and Holy Spirit be our guide, okay, we let self-interest be our foundation and feelings be our guide. And I've done that 
most of my life. And it's not okay. It's not okay. And just like humility, we're not going to see the things God's called us to come to pass if we're not willing to put this stuff on the altar. If we're not willing to put all our, our whole life on the altar and say, God, if you say it stays, it stays. And if you say it goes, it goes. And look, I know this, you know, this, is, not, this is not like a real shouting message tonight. But you know what? The youth and singles went away on a winter retreat, and Pastor Greg got up and talked about this, and the whole theme of the winter retreat was consecration and holiness, and what do you need to give up to go after God? And they came back on fire. They came back on fire in a way that the singles have never been on fire as long as I've been here. And it sparked something, and we're going somewhere, but we're going to only get there the same way they got there, and the same way that the Bible says to get there. We have got, if we're, if we're going to do this thing, we have got to be willing to put our whole life on the altar and say, God, what stays and what goes? And man, like the, the payoff is worth it. Like there's nothing on that altar that's worth hanging on to if he says it goes. It's, it's just going gonna, it's, it's gonna to hold you back. It's not, it's not going to satisfy you. I promise you that. If we really want revival, and if we really want it fill, fulfill the Great Commission, we're going to have to learn what it means to love. And we're going to have to do it better than we've been in the habit of doing it. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. And if it applies to you, take it. I'm talking about what God's dealt with me about. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning this. But I'm, and I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there. I am determined to get there because it's all that matters. Because it ties back to what I just talked about. It's all that matters. We're here to... To, to connect with God and connect other people with God. That's, that, that is our purpose. That's when Jesus left, that's what he said, go and tell everyone. In my Father's house there's, the house, there's many mansions. There's plenty of room. Go out and spread the good news that everyone's welcome. That's, what, that's our whole purpose here. Everything else is secondary. Um, this, this is... Again, this is just something that I've had to learn. I just I spent so much of my life really kind of angry, and that might surprise some of you that have known me for a while because I always seem like a pretty good guy. But um, I've all, for for a lot of my adulthood, I just had a lot of anger kind of simmering below the surface, and it would come out. It would come out in traffic. It would come out in work situations. It would come out uh, in regards to to issues and politics. And, and just different things, and, 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 and I would compartmentalize. I knew all of the stuff about love and, and, and stuff, but then over here, well, this is, I've got to take, you know, I've got, this, is, this needs to be dealt with. I've got to deal with this how I know how to deal with it. And um, this, is, this is the best example that, that I could think of. Um, you know how, like, in, in movies, the superhero will, like, he'll have, like, uh, his his sidekick may be like a, a girlfriend or you know female love interest or a child or something, and he's like getting ready to go into a dangerous situation. He's like, "You stay here, I'll come back for you. You don't need to see this." <laughs> but we do that. We do that. Like someone cuts us off in traffic, he's like, "Jesus, you stay here. I'll deal with this. You don't need to see it. I don't want you to see this. I'll come back for you." And it's funny, but is it not true? Is it not true? We leave him at the door. And all these other things. And I had to come to the conclusion for myself, anything, listen to this, 
Anything that causes me to react in a way that isn't Christ-like is something that I value more than the gospel at that moment. Because when I decide to lose it on somebody whom I'm called to reach, okay, they either have the hope that's in me or they need it. And I'm called to reach them. When I decide to, to, to lose it on them and not be Christ-like, I've just decided that me losing it on them is more important than reaching them. I've just decided that. And we wouldn't say we've decided that, but our priorities show otherwise. But here's the good news is it's, it's so easy to change. Because you don't have to go through and get up every day and try to change. What we do is we let Jesus come in and change us. We get up every day and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I've seen me in action. I know how I work. I can't do it on my own. I'm going to put all of my focus and all of my trust in you. I'm going to let you come in and change me. And we have got to live our lives that way. We can't do this thing without the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this thing without God coming in on a daily basis and changing us and changing our behavior and, and learning, to, learning to repent. Learning, I, I probably repent more than I ever have in my life because I've given God the window of opportunity. Show me the little stuff. Show me the little errors. Show me early on in the process so I can say, you know, let me, let me correct that, God. I'm sorry. Let's go a different direction. And we need to learn to love repentance if we're going to make progress. Because it's good. Repentance means progress. It means I'm not the same today as I was yesterday. And tomorrow I'm going to be different than I was today because I'm stepping up and I'm moving up. And I want more of God. And I want to be able to reach more people and reach them more effectively. I want to close with a story. Um, and this is a... Um, this is a story about Robert Butler, and um, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie to you, it's an emotional story, um, but I want you to see past the emotion <clears throat> to the lesson that's in it, and for those of you, real quick, who don't know who Robert Butler was, he was a member of our church family for longer than I've even been here, just a man who loved Jesus and lived like it, um, a kind man, a humble man, um, he, really, he really exhibited a lot of this stuff that I've talked about tonight. Just a man of integrity, a man of love and, and humility. Didn't, see him, didn't esteem himself highly. And um, he was my plumber, uh, as well as the fact that I went to church with him for a long time. And uh, here, he, he, he went home to be with the Lord uh, late last year. And, um, but in the last maybe year of his life, there was a guy who came to work with them. And uh, he was a young man. He was on work release from prison. He didn't necessarily know a lot about plumbing. He was a real hard worker. And he kind of got, got used and abused a little bit on the job sites. He didn't know a lot about plumbing. He was learning. Um, uh, there was also a little bit of a racial element in it, too, because he was black. So kind of behind his back, not real overtly. But guys just kind of gave him a hard time. Um, but, but Robert took him under his wing, and he rode in Robert's van with him most of the time, and Robert taught him plumbing and, and just treated him the same. Remember, we, we, we talked about this with Robert Butler so much in, 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 in after he died. He treated everybody the same. Everybody got the same love, the same respect, and this, this young man was no different. He just took him under his wing and just loved him, treated him like a son, taught him stuff, and I don't know if this young man was born again or not, but either, either Robert got him born again or led him to give his life back to Jesus. Either way, this guy was going one direction, and Robert turned his life dramatically towards Christ through his testimony and his influence on him. 
and that wasn't the first person that Robert Butler had that impact on. We found out, you know, through the process of hearing from people, he's been having that influence on people all his life. And um, so he, he just, in the short amount of time, had this tremendous impact on this young man and changed this young man's life, had an eternal impact on his life. And uh, I was talking one day to, to Sarah, who works there at the office, and she said that morning when Robbie went out there to tell them that, that Robert had died, she said that young man dropped to his knees and sobbed because Robert meant that much to him. Robert had that big of an impact on his life. Man, we can do this thing, guys. We can go out every day and impact people for the kingdom. We can go out every day. When we, go, when we spend time in the morning, we take the time in the morning to get full of, of, of Jesus to get full of love, to get full of the Holy Spirit. When we go out, man, we're like a sponge. And everything we touch is going to get some Jesus on it. And the more circumstances try to squeeze and mess with us, man, there's just Jesus is going to get everywhere. That's how we've got to live. Let's, let, let's, it, let's leave a trail of Jesus wherever we go. Um, let's, let's do this thing, guys. Let's do it. We know this stuff. This is not stuff we don't know. But we've got to be willing to challenge ourselves. We have got to be willing to decide that what I've actually said is true. That Jesus is all that matters. And this thing, this thing that we're going after is all that matters. And I'm going to go after it with everything that I've got. And um, let's just do it. Let's go after this thing. And let's, let's watch what God will do. Let's watch what God will do. Because it's going to be awesome. All of us in here know somebody. We know, we have family, we have friends. We know people that need this, that we've been ministering to, that we've been praying for for years. We're going to see those people come in. I've told God, there's people he's brought into my life. I know he hasn't brought them into by accident. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to let them go into eternity without God. He didn't bring them into my life by accident. We're going to see those things, but we've got to be willing to do something about it. It won't happen by accident. There's a reason, there's a reason that, God, that God left us here with a purpose. Amen. And let's do it. Let's just, just take a moment just in, and, just, and just, just pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you that you've made it so clear to us, Father. What matters and what doesn't, Father. But you didn't leave us, you didn't leave us with a list of instructions and say, go do it and I'll come check and see how you're doing. Father, you sent you sent the comforter, you sent the help, you sent the guide, you sent Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us and help us to be our daily help, Father. Tonight, Father, we consecrate ourselves to you, Father. Use us, change us, Father. These adjustments, Father, show them to us, reveal them to us, Father, so that we can surrender them to you and make those adjustments, Father, because we're not willing to do anything less than what you've called us to do, Father. We're not willing to let these things slip through our fingers. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for showing these things to us, for changing us, Father. We consecrate ourselves to you, Father. We thank you for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.